Sports Radio 610 presents The Drive with Sterner and Hughley. It's the 5 o'clock fire. Ah, it is 5 o'clock. Congratulations. Hopefully you're off work. But luckily for you, old Dirty Show and Team Mill have everything covered in the latest. The latest is this is 5 o'clock fire brought to you by Regions Bank. Uh, there's a lot of movement now happening. Now that the, the season is completely over, we still have two jobs that are open and we still have OC uh, jobs that are open, and we're starting to get some news on them. One, the Cardinals. Uh, they are interviewing defensive coordinator from last night, Jonathan Gannon. He will be interviewed uh, uh, with the Cardinals, and we're starting to hear reports that today or sometime this week the Indianapolis Colts are going to finalize a deal with head coach uh, Shane Steichen, who's currently the offensive coordinator for the Eagles. Looks like he may go to the Colts. So the Eagles may lose uh, both of their coordinators. It looks like for sure they'll lose Shane Steichen. And Shane Steichen is coming to uh, uh, the Indianapolis Colts. And, Clint, for me, when I looked at all the names there, there were some names you could laugh at with the Colts. There's some names you're like, whatever. It was like, yeah, Jim Ursay's weird, but if he hires Shane Steichen, uh, you could see that being – very Nick Sirianni like you could see that working yep. and working potentially quick. Yeah, look, I mean Shane Steichen is is uh, you know a, he's proven that he can work with multiple different quarterbacks. I don't know if he's a head coach or not. We'll find out if he does get the job. It looks like he's going to get the Indianapolis job, but but he's proven he can work with multiple different quarterbacks. And 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 I think I think living in this division, the Colts the Colts obviously do live in this division, and and ultimately, um, you know it's it's. One of, if not the worst division in football, when it's all said and done, and and so getting back to the playoffs, getting back to being competitive, uh, shouldn't be a problem for uh, the Colts for whoever takes that job. You look at, at at Shane Steichen and what he's done recently in Philly as an offensive-minded head coach. You flip right to the Indianapolis Colts and go, okay, they got a, they got a, a, a potentially really, really, really good offensive line that prides itself on being physical. Same thing. You can say about Philly, maybe not as good top to bottom, and and but overall they they're they're a pretty rough bunch in terms of of playing the game physical and and being a good run football team. You you got um, Jonathan Taylor at at running back. You got some pieces there. Find your quarterback, and I would imagine that Shane Steichen would have some pretty quick success at least on the offensive side of the football in Indy. So that'll be an interesting hire. It will it'll also be a talking point here because Shane Steichen um, was was throughout this process, I, I think, a favorite of some folks here in Houston to get the, the Texans job. I know I really liked him um, after he was announced to have interviewed earlier in the in the postseason. So, um, It'll be an interesting watch of him and D'Amico. No like question. Two guys that, that are in the same division, you know, you know, two guys that many people looked at and said, oh, those two could be guys that – that could fit here, so we'll see him right here. They'll they'll match up against him potentially twice a year, so uh, a lot there. Also, uh, coordinator-wise, uh, now the season is over, the commanders are setting up interviews with Eric Bieniemy, uh, who is the current, for now, uh, offensive coordinator for the Chiefs, and then Greg Roman, who, uh, who was with the Ravens all those years. Before that, was with the 49ers. Um, whoever it is Washington gets, I think – they should feel good that they're going to improve their offensive staff uh, and their and their football team. Not certain where they're going at quarterback, 
But uh, I feel like these are two guys looking at different things. I'm not sure if Greg Roman is really interested in being a head coach uh, in this league where he is. I think Eric Bieniemy is looking at a place where he can uh, he can show that he is running the show to take that uh, potential excuse off the table uh, for reasonings why maybe some people don't look at him as a head coach candidate, uh, which I don't, I don't know. I, I still think for me, Eric Bieniemy, Baltimore would be the better fit. If they uh, they've also been reported one to look at him, but Washington is 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 not bad. They've got some pieces and parts. Yeah, look, I I would just like to see Eric Bieniemy outside outside of Andy Reid, right, wrong, or indifferent, whether he needs to or should need to or does, whatever. I mean, I, I get all that, but I I would love to see his brand of of ball and on on the offensive side of the ball somewhere where there's no doubt whose it is. Take all the doubt off the table. It's Eric Bieniemy's game, and 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 I, I just I, I'm looking forward to hopefully seeing that. And, boy, he couldn't have – if it's, if we did see him coach his last game in Kansas City, hell, he couldn't have went out in more style because Andy Reid, in the immediate post-game presser, he thanked he, he thanked and congratulated and saluted Pat Mahomes and Eric Bieniemy, and then the offensive line. And then in the in the post-game, up on the podium, he he made sure to mention Eric Bieniemy. So, if, if we've seen him as his last, coach his last game in Kansas and City, I, I think it will sucker's be. going out in style now. Yeah, I think it will I think it, I think he'll move on, and uh, and and as you just said, get out of the orbit of uh, of uh, of Andy Reid to try to to try to uh, prove that point. Five o'clock fire. Well, speaking of the Super Bowl, the Chiefs uh, they win their second title in four years. I listen. I've heard dynasty talk. I am, I am one that's a stickler. I said this about the Astros, and I will remain uh, the, uh, the the same with this. I, I think. I think it's three titles. Anytime I think of a team, teams that look that are thought to be dynasties, they all have at least three: from the Spurs to the Patriots, uh, to the uh, uh, to, to the to, uh, to the Cowboys, to the Packers back in the day. All the teams, the Bulls, all the teams uh, that, that have looked to be dynasties at least have three championships. I think the big person uh, that comes out of this uh, is Patrick Mahomes. Is it? Do you have any different feel for Patrick Mahomes after last night uh, than you do? Because I feel like a lot of people have moved him into a different well, space based off of last night. Look, I, I don't, I don't have any different feel. I mean, I, look, I mean, Pat Mahomes is the most talented, gifted, physically gifted quarterback we've seen play the. I've seen play the game. Let me speak for myself. Is he past? He's past Rodgers in that for you. Yeah, yeah. Oh, there's no question. I mean, look when 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 you talk, we can talk about just arm, just, just like what they can do, passers of the football. But when you look at how often he plays off script, outside the pocket, um, I mean, Rodgers is is an absolute. I mean, has an absolute cannon and and does some things unbelievably efficient. But he just doesn't play the he doesn't play the same style of game, and 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 he, and he hasn't had the same level of success as Pat Mahomes, and so. If we want to talk arms, I, I still like the, the the Aaron Rodgers Pat Mahomes conversation. But when we're talking the 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 uh, you know the the best of the best, I mean, yeah, Pat's Pat's in that Pat's there. Um, he's one of the best. I, he is the best I've ever seen play the game at the NFL level. And I didn't necessarily need to see him win another Super Bowl to make it happen. Now, I I, I disagree with folks that say championships don't matter like the only reason we're talking about pat mahomes is because he has the ability to do what he does at a championship level now is it seven 
or is it five or is it four? I don't know exactly what that number is, but let uh, I mean championships matter. Like him living in the AFC Championship and going to Super Bowls and ultimately winning Super Bowls absolutely matters. It should matter. It will always matter, and that's. That's just the fact of the matter, if you see what I'm saying. So, yeah, I mean, it was huge last night for him to win that for our, for conversation's sake moving forward and staying on pace to potentially matching guys uh, over, you know, ta- overtaking guys that have two, three, four, or more Super Bowls. So, yeah, it, it was it was a big day. It was a big day for uh, for Pat, no question. Well, yeah, he's starting to separate himself with things like the like no player in NFL history has done the. Uh, two, two uh, MVPs, two world, uh, two uh, Super Bowl championships, yeah. and two Super Bowl MVPs in their first five years or six years. No one has has done that. And I think the big point here, and I, and I always thought the rings are one thing that separate Brady from everyone else. Um, but even when he was getting to the four and whatever range, but it is also because this is what what kept Montana in front of everyone is the clutch stuff. The yep, end, absolutely. Mahomes is 58% winning percentage when he's down by 10 in a game. Yeah. Like when mm. in, in, in his career, the next closest is Brady at 37%. Yeah. Like 10 wow. to, and, and like, and so that's the one, like Brady has always had that of, hey man, it ain't just the rings, but Brady, nobody comes through. Yeah. You don't want the ball in anybody's hand. And last night he was down by 10 at the half. And he's won 58% of his games being down by double figures yeah. in games in his career, which is insane. Well, there, there, look, there is nobody, um, in my opinion, there's nobody that has carried their team to dynasty status. Whether you think they're on the fringe or you think it is, irrelevant. Like, no, nobody has carried their team to dynasty status and had as much success as Pat Mahomes has. I mean, he carries that team week in, week out, year to year in the in the playoffs, AFC Championship, Super Bowl. Nobody's ever done that. The, the question is, can he? Can he? It's longevity now. I mean, the truth is, as good as the the, the Patriots were, there was a lull in the middle of, of Brady, all the yeah, success that Brady run. had. Yeah, ten years. You know, it, it's. I mean, it, that's bound to happen. Show that, that's the crazy thing too is like what we're watching. We should probably and I. It, like I don't probably don't realize and and verbalize uh, articulate like how how just how impressive it really really is if we're being honest like the the odds of him sustaining this kind of success and them not just him but the the whole team is is highly unlikely i yep. mean it, it's what they're doing is is unbelievably difficult. What's Andy Reid going to do? Whether it's this year or down the road, when Andy Reid retires, can he can he keep this? This, this he's going to have to deal with some things that that Brady didn't have to deal yeah, with. Yeah, Brady had him for twenty. So they were together for yeah. It's it's crazy what he's already done, man, and and um, it's going to be fun to watch the rest of this run because it doesn't look like they're slowing down. Five o'clock fire. All right, more quarterback news, Clint. Uh, we've heard about this situation. We know we know Derek Carr. Hell, he's made it been made it very clear. He's not playing with the Raiders again. Uh, but uh, we heard that there was conversations between Derek Carr. He was uh, granted permission to talk to the Saints about a, a situation. Well, uh, here in the last 24 hours, there was no official transaction made by the Raiders with Derek Carr today. But Derek Carr uh, said he is not going to be traded. 
he is going to get to a space where he is a free agent. He wants to be able to go and choose and have control. And I think he's going to do it because if he doesn't, or because if the Raiders don't release him, they're going to have to owe him $40.4 million. I absolutely and, and, love and this, there, man. And that ain't happening. And I'm with you. I call that bluff if I was Derek. Cole. Love it. Love it. I mean, you. The, I mean, I, I was listening to Ross Tucker earlier outline kind of what's going on with, with the Raiders and how they gave him more money, um, gave him a longer contract to have control of him, and then gave him a no-trade, uh, you know, a, 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 what, what, what's it called? A, a, a no-trade clause, clause. Is that, right? I mean, so – it's one of those where it's like nothing they nothing the Raiders did made sense, including how they treated him down the line. Now I don't know all the details of what went on, but I'm gonna I'm gonna guess that Derek Carr doesn't feel real good about it. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna guess that he didn't agree with it. That's why he left the team. And so right now he could he could yeah that agree. was always weird that he just yeah that he just yeah. bounced yeah yeah. But look, I mean, word on the street was is that there there was a trade worked out and and uh, and and between the the Raiders and and. Uh, the Saints and and he said, you know what? No, no, no. I'm, I'm not going to okay no trade. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not going to okay no trade. Y'all just got to cut me straight up. It's going to cost you the money. Y'all cut me straight up. So and then if I want to go to the Saints, I'll just yeah. go to the Saints and they ain't got to give and up. And they nothing. can pay me whatever the hell they want to. Which is a great move because if you're going to go to the Saints, why would you? Why would you hurt the organization you're going to if you had the choice? Yeah, you're, I dare you pay me forty point four million. I dare you to do that. Mm-mm-mm. Yeah, that's. That's the thing. So that means he's going to be a free agent. I, you know, I, I, that means all the teams are open to getting him. It, it, he is going to have a market. And, and if oh, there was yeah. even a thought here, which that's been kicked around a bit, I like I think he's going to cost way too much of what they would want to what they would want to spend. So I, I, I don't know. I, I, yeah, I don't think it makes a whole lot of sense well, here. Yeah, yeah it's a fun conversation. Um, and I would I would enjoy the hell out of covering it, but I it, I don't think it makes a whole it, it makes really good sense in in New Orleans. I think that's a team that expects to win next year, and and has a chance to win their division because you're talking about a bad division. Um, and and I think he's a guy at the point in his career where he wants to go somewhere where they, they got a they got a chance to win sooner rather than later, and, and he's got ties to to New Orleans with some of the coaches that were in Dennis Allen, the head coach in New Orleans, was in in uh, in Oakland uh, with the Raiders when when. Uh, when River, well, not Rivers, when um, Carr Car. got there, so uh, yeah, I, I bet you New Orleans is where it's at, and he's just like, no, I don't, I don't want. I, I love, it. I, but I love it for there. Oh, for I love, I love it. that hell he is, yeah, I love that he is sticking it to like, no nah, man, and let him do a little work before telling him. That was even better. Yeah, yeah, let him let him finish and complete the whole <laughs> thing and say no. Like, I wonder if the Saints came back and said, you know, we could do this trade, or you know, you could just. See if they don't actually pay that forty million, so we don't have to give up these show, pieces. I, I thought from jump, man. I, I it thought sound, it sounded weird anyway. Well, I just thought from jump, like why would any team trade for him? Yeah, yeah. Call the Raiders bluff. The Raiders aren't paying him forty million dollars. No, I mean, but even if you were willing to pay him the forty million, why why would you cost yourself the draft pick or or, or whatever you know whatever the capital was you had to trade for him? Yeah. Why would you as and a team, pay him? Yeah. Yeah. And pay like it, it didn't make sense. So um, this is it's going to end up working out in Derek Carr's favor. It is, and him. and maybe the Saints. All right, uh, listen, the Texans they made moves as well. They've hired their offensive coordinator Bobby Slowick. How you feel? How you feel about a guy who has never called plays, never put together a playbook, never designed and ran team meetings, offensive meetings? How do you feel about that person taking over the offense? Should feel pretty good. We'll discuss that coming up next. 
Sports Radio 610 presents The Drive with Sterner and Hubley. All right, uh, the Texans, Clint, have a new OC. They've actually got some other uh, potential members of the staff rolling. Gerard Johnson uh, is, uh, is going to be the quarterback's coach, and we'll see about other potential moves as well. But Bobby Slowick, Clint, um, now we know who the offense is turned over to. Now we know who is going to be running the offense, and we said how big this is because that means this person is going to be in charge of this young quarterback that eventually will get here, whether it is this year or next, eventually will get here. And you the boss. You the dude on the offense. It's your show. Clint, I don't know if Bob, I don't think Bobby's ever called plays. Pretty certain that Bobby has, uh, I don't know what, uh, what Kyle Shanahan allowed him to do uh, in San Francisco, but I, I would be shocked to think he ran meetings. I'd be shocked to think that he put together the playbook. But he's going to be in charge, at least be the front person of all of that here in Houston, and that is that is what the Texans have in front of them, a guy who uh, who is going to take over that doesn't have a ton of experience at doing those things. Yeah, and that that's the gamble that you that you took when you hired a defensive minded head coach. You know your defense is going to be in good hands. The one thing you were damn sure going to be able to 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 make huge improvements uh, at and on is the defensive side of the football. And uh, now you got to figure out what you're going to do with the offensive side of the football. This was going to be a roll of the dice any way you slice it. Um, whether it was a, a head coach on the way down or a young unproven offensive mind on the way up. Um, uh, you know, there, there's some things to like and there's some things to be concerned about. The, what I like is is the system. This this is a a system that has one. It's one of the hotter systems in the game right now. Um, it, it has been um, replicated, if you will, around the league multiple times, and, and there's been success there. Um, I think it's a very quarterback friendly system. Um, you know, I think you get the right dudes on offense, the right mindset on offense, the the right type of dogs on offense, then, then I, I think it's a uh it's it's a system where boy you can you can control games kind of deal. So I, I do think there there is there's a lot of positive that comes with it um based on the scheme and and you listen to what Kyle Shanahan has said about Bobby Slowick and about how he moved him from the defensive side of the football to the offensive side of the football because he realized how good he was and thought he would better fit the offensive side of the ball. Um, so there, there's some good there, but but I, I I just can't knowing what all goes into being an offensive coordinator, and I only know it from the player's perspective. So I've never done it. I'm just saying, I, like I've I've watched from a player's perspective. I'll argue the most important position outside of general manager and head coach is your offensive coordinator, especially when your head coach is a defensive minded head coach. Um, that guy has to lead a staff, communicate, lead, all the things that go with with creating that playbook that you teased when we, when we were coming into this segment, um, to, to the, the the weekly game plan. Um, I mean, to, to communicating all of that to the players, to the, I don't know, 50-some-odd players, 40-some-odd players on a weekly basis. I mean, it, it is the, the offensive coordinator position, it, it, you know, I mean, it is. There is a lot of moving parts, and that dude needs to be unbelievably dynamic on multiple fronts. And when you bring a guy in and give him those responsibilities that's never done it before, then 
I mean, I think naturally there's a little bit of 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 concern there. Yeah, I listen. I, I would say, Clint, I feel I feel a a lot better today than I did three four years ago, mm. because it does feel like we're seeing this trend a lot more, and especially out of this stable of Shanahan and McVay now. Can't help but to look at the Jets situation and say, well, yeah. we know it doesn't always work. We know it's not like, but it does feel like the Kevin O'Connell, who I don't know how much put together the gay plan and calling plays he did in L.A. before he went to Minnesota, but they had a really good offense. Mike McDaniel, I don't know how much, you know, play calling. Maybe he did get a chance to run meetings as the O.C., but I, I wonder how much Kyle, Kyle, was, Kyle was in that. But it worked really well, and they improved, and 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 the and the scheme worked in Miami, obviously with the players they had. So we're seeing these th- Zach Zach Taylor with with uh, yeah. Cincinnati didn't yep. call plays how much he had to do. So we're seeing the trend at least in the last four or five years where this is this is the thing that happens yep. a lot, and I at least feel better about that, and especially better that like. Mike LaFleur has been the outlier compared to everybody else. Everybody else has pretty is pretty much been successful in this in this scheme. So I do feel a little bit better seeing that a lot of young guys without the previous experience has done this. It's yeah. done Kafka as well. Well, I I think there's there's something about coming out of 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 Shanahan's um organization in, in San Francisco and McVeigh's the same way. Like they are they're not only good coaches and, and schematically do but they're they're they they're they're almost like outside thinkers, right? I mean they are they are big on guys that maybe didn't play the position or guys that maybe have never coached a position, but bringing guys in like bringing guys in on the staff that were associated with Elite Eleven. Right, because they met them some kind of way. They're, they're all that, that whole line of coaches. They're involved with this thing called QB Collective. It's a guy that I actually played with, um, a receiver that I played with that put this thing together. He somehow tied in with Shanahan and and uh, and McVeigh, and he's got all of these dudes that are part of their 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 organizations that are that help with these camps. And it's not like your typical NFL coaches that you never see them off the sideline of an NFL team. You know, they're out there they're out there in these camps and working with these quarterbacks and teaching the finer things. And so in that in that environment you run into a lot of great quarterback coaches, a lot of great quarterback minds kind of thing. And so those are the it's just a it's it's very different in how they how they populate their coaching staff and their organization than most organizations, if that makes sense, and definitely different than the old way of doing things. So it's all unique, and it's worked. Um, I just hope that Bobby Slowick is one of those that works and not one of them that was like, eh, maybe, maybe yeah. things happen too fast, you know? Because you just never know what never know. Never know what kind of impact he had. You never know I'll how he was used. I'll say this about Bobby Slowick, and it, this is a positive, right? And I, I, I don't know Bobby from – from Adam, I, I don't know Bobby either. I can't wait to meet him. But but here's the deal, show. I, I I will be shocked. I will be shocked if year one, if if we're not, we just got through talking about the Super Bowl, and the most amazing thing about the second half was Andy Reid and his ability to use pre-snap movements and motions to create create opportunities for Pat 
throw in the ocean type stuff for Pat and 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 wide open for receivers. All I got to do is catch the ball, literally just catch it and back into the end zone, right? Like that was all done schematically pre-snap early on. And 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 I think guys that come out of Kyle Shanahan's system and McVay's system, that's part of what that's part of what they know. That that's part of that's that's part of what you're bringing them in, and just that is that is in their DNA and what they do. And so I'm I'm looking forward to whether the offense works or not, whether Bobby Slowick is this is this quote unquote leader of men or not. I, I don't know. I don't know. I have no, I have no no idea. But I'm looking forward to an offense that I feel like no matter no matter how he checks all the other boxes, I feel like schematically on the offensive side of the football, we are going to be more cutting edge in Houston than we've been in 10 years. Yeah. 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 Because that, that just seems like that is a part of of all the offense. Yeah. If, they, if there ain't nothing else that they do, they do a lot of that. We heard we heard Nick Casario when he was on with Payne and Pendergast say nobody uses more motions and shifts than, than Kyle Shanahan. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah, I don't, I don't, and like, I don't worry, show. My biggest concern for a guy like Bobby Slowick is if this next season you're a four, five, six win football team again and you got some serious adversity and you got, you know, you, you got some, you, you, like that, that is the big, like when things are great and they start winning football games again and you got your quarterback in here and he's got a couple years under his belt and you got your staff put together and everybody settled in and, Nick Casario's got whatever culture it is. Him and D'Amico wanting this building, and everybody's everybody's quote unquote doing their job. Hell, it's I mean, I, Bobby Slowick can coach his ass off with all that. The the to me, it's the it's the next couple of years that I think will be very trying for a young coach. Yeah, yeah, we'll see what's what's rolling there. Speaking of young coaches, listen, the Super Bowl uh, happened yesterday, and it was a great game, and a lot happened. I think the Texans dodged a bullet. I think potentially the Texans dodged a bullet. We'll discuss more and let you know what I'm talking about coming up next. Sports Radio 610 presents The Drive with Sterner and Hughley. I'm watching that game last night as the Kansas City Chiefs get their second championship, baby. I'm watching that game last night. And from the Texans' lens, fellas, I think they dodged a bullet. What's that? Number one, you give it to me real quick. First thing that comes to your mind, the number one reason, give me a name, the number one reason the Chiefs won that game last night. Andy. Andy Reid, I agree with you. And Clint, in the second half, he, as I thought he would, what were some of y'all thinking? As I thought he would, he did a number. Oh, Casario's guy, Jonathan Gannon. I mean, that was that was Clint. I I felt sorry for for Gannon at times in that second half. Like he just he didn't have he didn't have it. They weren't community. He did they didn't do nothing. You could just see like, oh, he's getting out coached to a, I mean, by a wide margin. And I I think nobody, nobody. I, and I know we've talked about ranking him. I don't think anybody would have been shocked before the process of the Texans hiring D'Amico Ryans and trying to hire a head coach if Jonathan Gannon would have been the guy. Not one bit. I don't think anybody would have been shocked. He was he was close last year, a finalist, and a guy they brought back again this time. Listen, I know it's just one game, uh, but if you listen to the people in Philly, this is a complaint they've had about Jonathan Gannon a lot, was his lack of adjustments or being able to adjust out there. I mean, Clint, I don't know... What happens? I've talked to you. We talked ball a lot. 
to get somebody wide open the way Andy and Eric and their staff were able to get two two different occasions in the red zone inside the five-yard line to get guys wide open. And Jonathan Gannon had no adjustment. I mean, they came down, and those are just two plays that stick out, but four possessions, four scores. All of them would have been touchdowns if the Chiefs wanted to score the last one at the end. And, I mean, clearly the Chiefs made adjustments. He never stopped Travis Kelsey. So I got to explain why Travis Kelsey just running free alone multiple times in the game. But then those two plays in the red zone was just like, good. Did they talk afterwards? <laughs> after the first one? Hey, you yeah. fooled me once, but they yeah. talk after the first one? Yeah, it, it, that was a hell of a concept. And, and it, it was it was um, great. It was more in the preparation, that, the, like the, the – the, the next level part of it is less about the scheme because the scheme is not – I mean, when you stack receivers like that and you motion to it, then the DBs have to communicate because they're bracketing. Whoever goes inside, the inside DB's taken. Whoever goes outside, the outside DB's taken. So they're going to bracket that that man-to-man coverage to keep the picks from happening. We see so many times those picks down there in the red zone, rubs if you're on offense, picks if you're on defense, whatever you want, whatever you want to call it, where they're picking a defensive player man-to-man they're picking that guy off. So what they do is they combo cover it, and then it takes the the the, the pick out of the game, right? Um, and so it's actually not like, oh my gosh, I can't believe that Andy Andy schemed that up. That I ain't never seen that before. It was the beauty was in knowing it was going to happen, knowing that that Philly was going to do that to that kind of motion. Giving dummy motions early in that ball game, really early in the half, giving dummy motions. So that the offensive coordinator, Andy Reid, Eric Bieniemy, Nagy, whoever the hell is over there responsible for watching that, right? You call a certain play that may be just a run the other direction, but it has a similar motion. And that coach, get the coaches here and go, hey, you're getting the motion that you're getting the action that you want by that secondary. Yeah, because Bieniemy right, said we'll he saw on tape. They saw on tape. Yep. Uh, uh, of some they felt they could take advantage of if they get yeah. the right look. Saw it on tape, and and te- you know they're creatures of habit. And when you get down in the red zone, you either get a quarters covered, some kind of zone out of a quarters look, or you get straight up man. Teams that think they're good enough to play man, you get it. And I, I would imagine that Philly, I haven't studied enough Philly film to know that they're going to play man-to-man versus this particular formation inside the five-yard line, but that's what was happening. And the the, the beauty, again, is in the the wherewithal to find it and understand Eric Bieniemy finding it and finding the advantage that you can do that to – like communicating it to your players of all right, like you just can't come in here with no lazy ass motion and just like it's gotta be a burst motion right now, fast as you can go. Get that DB in chase mode, get that DB in panic mode. Pat, you gotta snap the football when he's directly behind that slot receiver and then he's going to the flats right now, or he's bubbling, um he's bubbling out as as the, the second touchdown was. Like the the preparation and the execution is so much more impressive than the scheme. The scheme is simple. Simple. I mean, most teams should be able to. And the truth of the matter is they don't. But most teams should be able to do that. the The beauty is in the preparation and the execution was so so nice, so well done. Yeah, and 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 Jonathan Gannon just seemed to not have any answers in the second half. Any answers at all in the second half didn't change up anything. Didn't split, and that was just whoa. Like, yeah. But, I mean, it was – listen, Andy is a Hall of Famer, first ballot. That coaching staff has been around in big games. You you, you know, there was going to be an advantage there. But, man, 
Like, boy, those two touchdowns just jumped. I'm just like, we somebody's got to have a conversation yeah. coming off. They did it again. The next, the next drive, the, yeah. <laughs> the next possession, they did it again. Back to back possessions. Surely that, I mean, the other side couldn't have just just confused them that much. My God, boy, that was. Well, you got you got Pacheco running the rock on the outside was was awfully impressive. How they that you talk about an unbelievable find seventh Um, seventh round. Somebody I saw somebody show tweeted last night. I thought it was great. Uh, They said you know Andy Reid and the Kansas City Chiefs just continue to to draft players that that nobody could tackle in college and and. And watch him do it in the league. <laughs> you know? it, I, I don't, I'm paraphrasing. I don't remember exactly. Darius Tony, you can add to the list oh, for, yeah. for nothing. Traded traded for him for nothing. I mean, you got the Miko Hardeman when he's healthy. Obviously, tra- uh, Travis Kelsey, sure. well, uh, Pacheco. Somebody, obviously, somebody text in. What What do you see? How did How could teams can't solve Travis? Like not not just solve him, but we've talked about. It. I, I've said this to you. And we watched it in the playoffs. Yeah. Where you know people are keying on. I heard, uh, this is John McClain. And listen, I, I, I'm going to eat you alive Friday. I'm just letting you know. I'm, <laughs> I'm coming. I'm coming. Uh, but like John said, he thought Jonathan Gannon, there's no way he's going to let him. I mean, it was right off the bat. That had to be the game plan. Off the bat. Yeah. Travis Kelsey's just wide open multiple times and getting clear advantage matchups. What, ha- what is it? What is it that it's clear that the Chiefs are doing something? That that makes it very very difficult for teams to to even to even be able to to defend him, not allowing just be wide open. Well, yeah, I mean, he, look, they they use him in so many. You never know where he's going to line up. They use him in the screen game. Um, you know, they they use him in the play action game. They use him in the vertical attack game. I mean, they, they just you, you can't. You know, you you can't. It's really difficult to zero in. The only way that you can zero in on him is to find somebody that can match up on him man to man, and they're few and far between. And, and and then and now, if you're Kansas City, you you got you, you got them right where you want them because now they're moving their best defender inside, and now you got all kind of different options outside, which we saw last night. Like stopping Kadarius Tony in space is 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 going to be a major problem. I don't know how many more years he's got on his first contract, two three, but he's going to be a major problem. Like that's that's the. That's the crazy like that him and Travis Kelsey together is going to be absolutely tremendous. But you play zone, you, you play any kind of zone, and and he he has a he has a sixth sense of just being able to settle in like he's got a quarterback's eye, like his ability to go up and settle in a soft spot. There's an art to that, like settle in a soft spot and know that that defender is 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 kind of floating from your right to your left, so you float to your So you keep that window open for the quarterback. He's got tremendous feel. Yeah, someone um, said there's no rhyme or reason on what route he's going to run because there's nothing right. on tape that you can yeah. look at to say, all right, he does, this is the route he runs. Yeah, well, he, look, he's got – he's like the, the one play that everybody's talking about in the first drive last night, I mean, that, that's a that's an old-school classic. You fake the deep over on the backside of a, of a bootleg and then you wheel back to an open where they ran the, they, you know, they ran the corner off and it's, he's wide open. I mean that's one of those that because they're able to run the football well because look the, the linebacker covered it perfect but now it's this wrinkle off of it that that teams are using that that just makes it damn near impossible to cover anybody much less Travis Kelsey so look he's got great chemistry with with Patrick I mean with yeah with Patrick Mahomes um, he's got great feel for the game in in zone coverages and able to settle in zones when when Pat get, does get pressured or when they're when they're presenting any kind of pressure whatsoever, he's got a quarterback's mindset of let me get I don't care what route I have, let me get my eyes to the quarterback so if the ball's in the air I can catch it. He's just a quarterback's best friend. And then on top of that, 
He's hard as hell to tackle. He's got a he's got a tangible skill set that that makes him makes him you know better than most. And so it, it's just there's no one reason why he's so difficult to stop. It's it's the combination of five or six different things that are that are just rare for one guy to possess all all yeah, of them. The best the best I've seen Denver and Belichick. And both of them would do the same thing, and I thought the Eagles might. But Belichick would just put Stephon Gilmore on him, yeah, and 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 then double team Tyreek Hill, and then and then the the um, what's uh, what's the Chris Chris Harris is what Denver used to do. Mm-hmm. They would put Chris Harris on him and just put a corner on him. But like you said, boy, you take Slay off of uh, or Bradbury off of. Now you, know, you got your third best corner outside playing Pat Mahomes. I mean, it just, it just it's just a. You know, and 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 they are so good at designing plays. You know, one like they'll have the same exact play show, and and one time he'll be he'll be the tight end that that on a naked that actually goes the other direction and kicks out the end. I'm sorry, on the run, and he kicks out an unblocked defensive end. And they run it inside. Then they run that same play and slip him into the into the flats and dump it to him. And then they run it out of a different formation where he's the guy coming over. Same same exact play, but now we're bootlegging off of it, and he's the guy that's coming over at 15 yards deep. And then they'll run the same exact play, and he'll fake the deep over and roll back like he did on that. On that. It's the same exact play. It's just, all so they're he's doing. He's got four or five different things. It's the same exact play, different formations. He's got different responsibilities. That's the thing that a lot of people probably don't talk about, like his capacity to play the game mentally. is it, it's, And it really, if you look at it, like that's the most impressive thing to me about outside of Andy Reid and Pat Mahomes. Outside of those two guys, the most impressive thing about what Kansas City does offensively is what all they ask their guys to do. They somehow communicate it, make it simple. To, I don't know if they're making it simpler, if they're just smarter than most guys. But, like, the same play around out of five different formations, three different personnels, and they don't mess it up. It's always it's always on time. They always have great, great, great uh, chemistry. I saw probably – I bet I saw three plays last night where you could tell, like, Pat was like, oh, hell. The one where he hurt his ankle, tweaked his ankle at the end. The one where he almost threw the pick, like kind of tried to sidearm it on some kind of bootleg. I don't know if it was a bootleg oh, or if yeah. it was – he kind of sidearmed it. It was almost a pick by a or linebacker. Yep. That one. Yeah, I mean, th- those two, they stick out. And then the, the two or three runs where he just he just took off because nothing was there and kind of, you know, did his thing. Like, other than that, I mean, everything was in rhythm, on time. Everybody was where they are supposed to be. Everything was was just like it was drawn up in the playbook. That's, that's the most impressive thing to me about Kansas City is how well – schooled up their their dudes are which is why when you trend when you look at that and then you say is Bobby Slowick gonna be able to yeah. do that yeah that's <laughs> that's what where you get to is Bobby gonna be able to communicate is this young staff that they're putting together gonna be able to communicate to where Nico Collins and uh Damian Pierce and and Aikens and Catoriano, if they're there, yep. are they going to be able to flawlessly? What can you put in, and how can they communicate? Make it simple. You got to simplify it so so they can not only understand it but play fast. Um, and and hopefully, you know, hopefully he's he's got that ability. You would think again that would be something. Somebody, can... what is that? <laughs> what is that? Just the ending? <laughs> he came in. <laughs> Damn, that scared the hell out of me. I thought we done hired somebody, man. He came in. I thought thought I was somebody was getting a prize. It's just Rihanna. No breaking news. God almighty. I don't even know what the hell you was going to (laughs) say. Coming up, apparently, the trumpets are loud with Rihanna. Uh, 
Texans All Access is back. And Rock then- and roll, meow. Oh, boy. Uh, with uh, Vandermeer, John Ayers coming up behind us. And then the best of with T-Mill. With T-Mill coming up after them from 7 to 8. So stay tuned. Uh, Tyler, uh, that was an interesting. I mean, that came in hot, Jack. Stop me in my tracks, man. Right there, boy. All right, Clint, great job. Tyler, great job. I am Ron the Show Hughley, as always, Houston. We love you, baby. Clint, bro, I I love you, man. This is like the first time. First time I've agreed with Ron. I knew you were setting me up, Chris. He's going to go down as tough as just like. Oh, Chris. (laughs)